Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is a uh, recovering Fallon Ballard <laughs> here with my also recovering and amazing co-host, Courtney Kay. Um, we both fell victim to the super spread COVID at Steamy LakeCon, <laughs> but we are back and uh we made it through so how are you doing today my friend yes good i mean you look fantastic let me just say um yeah i mean as good as can be expected (laughs) i think you know i just think it was kind of a perfect storm of we were in the middle of a surge right like like the beginning of a surge right when the con happened and then um you know, we were inside yeah. with, with a bunch of people for, for a while. And so I kind of knew I'd be coming away with something, but this is my first time having the, uh, the vid. <laughs> <laughs> Same. So I'm laughing because it's like, like an awkward laugh, you know, like what else are we supposed to do? But hopefully everyone is okay and healed and recovered. And I know you and I were able to get lots of rest, which is good. Yeah. I know. I was like, was one of those things where I like started feeling sick on Sunday, but I was like, am I just exhausted from like everything that has happened this weekend? And like, I, a lot of times when I'm in hotels get congested because of just like the constant AC. And we like basically didn't leave the hotel the whole time Mm -hmm. we were there. So I was like, Oh, I'm probably just like, you know, tired and feel having like ho- hotel congestion and then I yeah. got home and was like oh no <laughs> yeah I know this was both our uh, first time <laughs> I know we made it so long <laughs> my sister my my sister she's like four years later <laughs> Courtney. I'm like you know what thank goodness because we got all our vaccines in us we got like yeah. some yeah. we're fighting with some weapons now so that's good I know. It's pretty wild when you think about it. Like I have done in the past, like, I mean, weddings came back in like May of 2021. Mm -hmm. Since then, I have done 50 weddings. Haven't gotten it. Yeah. (laughs) It was like we made it so long. We did. And here we are. But um I hate that that is sort of like the takeaway of the con because it was truly like the most amazing weekend and I had so much fun. Um, so it was a bummer to go out, out on that note, but it was, uh, it was like, it was just the best weekend and I had so much fun. Um, I mean, meeting readers, of course, is always so amazing, but I think for me, like I filled out my little survey that they sent everybody and I was like, my favorite part was just like seeing all of these amazing authors, like many of whom that we've had on the podcast and like being able to meet everyone in person and yeah, do lots of hugging, which in the long run was probably <laughs> not a good thing. But <laughs> it was good in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. Um, it was amazing, like to connect with people in real life. Like, yeah, just echoing what you said. Um, you know, there were some incredible panels that we were lucky to listen to. And then there was like this moment, I think on the last day where we ended up just sitting outside. Yeah. 
with a group of people. And that was one of my like best memories. Yeah. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite parts. Yeah. And then the dinners that we got to do, um, and just like the camaraderie and being able to like walk anywhere in the hotel and see a friend was very cool. And yeah, ah, it was, it was good. It was really, it felt like summer camp. Like it really did have that vibe of like, you know, yeah, summer camp. It went too fast. And then the resulting uh, COVID was not great, <laughs> but, you know, it could have been worse. You know, I feel really grateful yeah. and um, I hope that everyone else is okay. Cause I know there yeah. were a ton of people there. I know. Yeah. I know a lot of people got sick, so hopefully everybody has been able to recover and yeah. And take care of themselves. Um, and there was also a tropical storm, which sort oh of got lost. <laughs> and an earthquake. <laughs> an earthquake. I In the same the day. Earthquake. Did you feel it? I didn't feel it. So tiny. But it was north of me. Oh, it was yeah. up in Ohio. So, um, yeah, I don't you, you wouldn't have felt it. But it was like, I'm sitting there on the couch and like, you know, we're like, oh, I'm testing for COVID. And then like. The hurricane rain is coming down, and then I'm sitting there, and the couch starts shaking. I'm like, like this feels right. <laughs> You're like, the end is upon us. <laughs> that was wild. That seriously was wild. Like, really, truly, only in California like, can you where- be sitting in a tropical storm and have an earthquake. <laughs> like, where's the fire at the same time as the rain? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was, um, I was sitting, so Sunday morning, because, you know, I'm local to Anaheim, I just sort of stayed and hung out because Matt, M.A. Wardell, Matt. was hanging out in town. And originally, we were going to go to drag brunch, and we just, like, it was too bad outside to <laughs> we'd go You're anywhere. Like, we're not going to go toward the ocean. <laughs> yeah, not the best plan today. Um, but we were like sitting in the little cafe and there was like kind of like a greenhouse roof. And that's right. All of a sudden <laughs> you could just like hear just the rain, like just like pounding down. And I was like, oh, this is like maybe actually not good. <laughs> Oh no. But then we just like retreated into like a deeper part of the hotel to hang out. And um, it was like you couldn't even hear it. And so for us, it just felt like nothing. And then I went out to my car and I was like, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> How was the drive home? I mean, it was fine. It was only like 10 minutes. So I managed. Okay. But it was, it was raining pretty hard by the time I left. So I was glad yeah. I didn't have to get on the freeway. Oh my gosh. <sighs> but we survived. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. And I know we're already like thinking about next year. A lot of people I know are already signed up and going and Yep. Yep. I know I think we might be the only two people who are not gonna go back. <laughs> not for any of these reasons. Just no. because um I think it's just gonna be kind of a quiet year for me and that's okay. And it's it's my kiddo's like 13th birthday. Yeah. Um, right around that time. So, you know, that's that important. Takes precedent. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I still haven't, I haven't decided to be fully transparent. I know they're kind of like pushing for an answer soon. Um, 
but I, yeah, I kind of have made the decision and it sort of just happened. Like I knew I was going to happen, but it also just like the timing worked out. Okay. That I am going to start doing a lot fewer weddings next year and sort of like taper off and have next year, I think be my last year of, of taking on weddings to coordinate. And so I need to like feel out my finances Mm-hmm. before I kind of commit to a bunch of things. And obviously yeah. for me, Stimulet doesn't have to be so expensive because I don't have to stay at the hotel. I can stay at my house and, you know, be totally fine. Um, but, you know, it does cost money to attend. And then, yep. I, so yeah, I might skip. It's pricey. Yeah, I might skip this year and then kind of like see what the following year looks like. It might be like an every other year kind of thing for me. I think um, so, Yeah. Yeah. But then also too, for me, it's like, I can just go and hang out at the hotel with people <laughs> if I want to. So yeah. I might do that. Um, and we can still do fun parts. Yes. We can definitely do Disney, Disney was for awesome. sure. Yeah. We had a great day at Disneyland, even though it was like hotter than <laughs> Satan's balls. Like I <laughs> was so sweaty and disgusting by the end of the day, but we had so much fun. It was so worth it. Yeah, that was that was a great day. Yeah, it was super fun. So yeah, like just overall, it was a good experience. I think um, I know that people have brought up some issues that they had with the panels that I definitely mm-hmm. um, noticed while we were there. And I think that they will hopefully make sure to correct those issues mm-hmm. in the future. Um But like, I've never been to an event like that. And from my end as an author, everything went so smoothly and seemed, I know they had some hiccups, but everything seemed organized. And Mm -hmm. I thought the way that they did the wristbands worked really well. Yeah. It was hilarious that they had wristbands with my name printed on them because we did not need them. (laughs) I I saved one to use as a bookmark in one in here. I asked for one too. I was like, can I have one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that has my name on it. That was so cool. Sure. And um, shit. Oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. I yeah. I mean, the intent I think was very clear throughout the whole thing of like uplifting diverse voices, and so so that was very cool. And it was very cool. Somebody on Instagram put it much better than I could, but it was cool to be in a room of people who are normally like. The, I don't know the right word. They said it much better than me. Not like the outcasts, but like, it was cool to be in a room of people being celebrated who aren't always celebrated. Yeah. And that was cool. Like it was, it was really neat um, to be in that kind of environment where you knew that the readers were there to celebrate diverse voices and support diverse authors. And um, we had a, like some important, really important conversations mm-hmm. and um you know, but yeah. So that, that part yeah. of it, I think was, was really great. And then just the opportunity to connect with people and see people yeah. in person. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. And we met some amazing people and I fangirled a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and it was amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. Maybe one day we should do like a an AMA about Steamy Lit if anybody has questions. But you can always drop them in our DMs and we'll 
yeah do our best to respond but yeah highly recommend if you're thinking about going next year i think um if you're a romance reader it's definitely worth definitely worth doing at least once just because uh, i think you'll have an amazing time yeah and um it's gonna be even better next year i would imagine yeah i think it'll just get better and better as it goes yeah i think it's gonna be at the same place i want to say they have like a three-year mm-hmm. contract or something yeah so, so and the hotel yeah. was really nice and i thought it um mm-hmm. like the room was nice that we stayed in and mm-hmm. there was plenty of space mm-hmm. um so it was good yeah no complaints there yeah they worked right. hard yeah <laughs> yes they did um uh, yeah so we have no segue <laughs> I can't. My brain is not fully functioning. <laughs> today. We have an amazing episode ahead of us um, with yes. the incredible Danielle Jackson. Um, yes. Who's amazing? I, just, I love Danielle. Like yeah. I just don't know what to tell you. Like so, we were part of the same uh, debut class, the three of us, and Danielle is just this uh, ray of sunshine. Like yeah. She's incredible. Yes. Her her books are beautiful. Her covers are stunning. Um, Danielle herself is just an incredible, beautiful, wonderful, sparkly person. Like mm. you're gonna love this episode, yeah. um, and you're gonna love Danielle. Yeah. yeah. See, how, how could you not? She's just amazing. Yeah, I should so just amazing. let you do that every time. <laughs> just say all the things I love about about these people. Yes. There's so much to say. Yeah. Well, we do adore Danielle and her amazing books. Um, and so we will be right back with Danielle Jackson. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. We are so excited to have our amazing guest here with us today. Danielle Jackson is a contemporary romance author, avid reader, lackluster yet mighty crafter i've never identified with something more an accomplished tv binge watcher although i also identify with that uh danielle has had the unique experience of working on almost every side of the book business as a publicist at a publisher an editorial manager of a book review website an events coordinator at an independent bookstore, and now an author. When she's not writing, Danielle co-hosts a pop culture podcast, moderates and participates on industry panels, and hosts a romance book club. Danielle lives in Chicagoland with her very own romance hero husband, darling daughter, and two tempestuous cats. Amazing. Danielle, welcome. We're so excited to have you here today. It's so funny hearing your author bio. Like, (laughs) it's one of those things. It's so funny. I, okay, so I'm already going to digress. I'm taking us off script immediately. But as an event coordinator at any author event we did, I would always ask, I'd be like, do you want me to read your bio? And 99% of the time, everyone's like, no, just say I'm here and here's my book. That's it. Like none of them, no one likes it. Uh, it's so funny to me. Um, but yeah, but then hearing your own bio again is it's great. Sorry, I, I told off the rails from this jump. I don't know what's happening. You're That's perfect. <laughs> I we love your bio. It is weird, like hearing the things you've done back at you yeah. and being like, oh, okay, I guess I have done that. I know, like, um, 
at the Ripped Bodice when I've done events there, they always intro you with your bio. Mm-hmm. And it is so interesting. Like, I'm glad they choose my short one because it's like I'm sitting there, especially in person. It's like, mm. right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, and I feel like when you're like first making your author website, like all the advice online is like, make your bio fun and cute and like add right. personal details. But then every time I like send that one to my publisher, they're like, no, cut this. Like, what are you, like, what are you why? doing? Yeah, why are you doing this? Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Before I, I became an author, I thought that the bios were written for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so when I had to write one for myself, I was like, oh, God, this is the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, you have an amazing, well, you already have an amazing book out in the world. Now you have another amazing book out in the world. Yeah. Can you please tell us all about Accidentally in Love? Yes. Oh, Accidentally in Love. So Accidentally in Love is my kind of grumpy sunshine or opposites attract, uh, summer fling, uh, you know, mid-20s trying to figure out what to do with your life story I don't know it's one of those things you know again I'm since I'm amongst other authors you know it's like trying to condense what your book is about like down to like a soundbite is really hard the first book I was like I got it I know what to say the second book I was like I don't know I just wrote this thing and here you figure out what it's about you know I'm so glad I'm not alone in that the first book was like pitch perfect and the second one I'm like let me talk to you for a half hour about what it might be about right exactly so yeah but I I mean so I've landed on summer fling opposites attract grumpy sunshine summer story in Chicago like word vomit just coming out it's fine it's amazing and we follow so I was um had the wonderful opportunity to read an early copy and text Danielle all of my live reactions about how much I love the story um but it is also about like um Sam who's taking over like the the boudoir um Mm -hmm. photo shoots right yeah and yeah, so you she, have like that whole experience and it's very cool. Yeah. So she, so Sam in book one, Sam was kind of the office assistant. So she was like scheduling, making sure everything was going according to to the schedule. You know, she, she was kind of the person that kept everyone in line. She filled in the orders for, you know, everything from, you know, lingerie to, you know, film for the cameras. Uh, and and she also but she, and she's like preternaturally organized there is a really cute like to-do list motif throughout the book that's um, in front of not every single one of her chapters but many of her chapters she has like a to-do list and they get kind of sillier as the book goes on I think uh <laughs> but she yeah she's kind of at that point where she's really trying to figure out what she's doing. She's kind of at that pivot point where it's like, I could stay in this position. I could keep doing what I'm doing or I could do something else. And she isn't sure that she wants to do something else. And in addition to just having 
a stable job, you know, in this economy, you keep it, you know, uh, she, but she also works with her friends, the women uh, who work at Buxom Boudoir, that is the photography studio. They're all really close. And this job has really brought them all together. It's kind of, a, it's like a very idyllic, like workplace, like they all like each other, they can challenge each other, they lift each other up, and they have fun at work every single day. So so she really is kind of, she doesn't want to lose that as well. So she really is is trying to do a good job, but also be true to herself and also figure out what being true to herself means too. And um, also Sam is dealing with a chronic illness, right? Mm-hmm. And- yeah, so she, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, you go. Oh yeah. So she has an autoimmune disorder called Graves' disease and this is this is really important to me because I also have Graves' disease. It's a it's an overactive thyroid disorder, and the cure is to basically kill your thyroid function. Um, and you can do that either through surgery or you can take a radioactive pill, and it kind of and it just like kills whatever function your thyroid is doing. Basically, your immune system is attacking your thyroid. And um, and so yeah, so she's dealing with that. She's going through that. She, her body has changed quite a bit. Um, since the, the end of book one and she, you know, she's lucky that she works with two very active members of the body positivity or body acceptance. Really. I think I, I think I come down on the side of calling it body acceptance rather than body positivity. I don't know. I love that. Um, (laughs) thank you. Um, yeah, but she works her, her boss, um, Cassie, who was the heroine of book one and then a side character named Dana. They both are really in involved in that community. So she knows that she she doesn't feel bad about her body at all. Like she accepts the changes that have come to it, but there's a difference between accepting those changes and really embracing them too. And so she kind of grapples with that and she kind of has to figure out a way to get in touch with the physicality of her own body, which she used to express through dancing burlesque, which is something she really doesn't want to do anymore. So that is a journey that she goes on as well. It's so beautifully represented and following Sam along that um, journey was just really beautiful to see. And you did such an excellent job portraying that. Thanks so much. Love that. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what inspired this book? I mean, obviously you're building on this world that you already created, which Mm -hmm. I freaking love. Um, (laughs) but what kind of like inspired Sam's story in particular? Yeah. So I, the very first draft of this book, I wrote the summer of 2020. So that was the summer where we weren't allowed to do anything. I was stuck at home with a five-year-old, um, who had just finished like virtual kindergarten, you know, for like the, that month and a half or whatever of virtual kindergarten, which was just a free for all. And, you know, we were, we were outside every day, we, but we couldn't go anywhere. We were going on walks. We were drawing our entire driveway. Um, and not that anyone knows this, but we have a very long driveway. I'm looking at it right now out of my window. We have this very long driveway and it was just full of chalk because that's all we did. <laughs> And so I really was writing the summer I wanted to be having. Um, I live um, outside of Chicago and I've lived in this kind of this general Western suburban area for my entire life, aside from when I went to college. And Chicago is the city of my heart. I think it's the best city to have summer in. Like if you've never spent 
time in Chicago in summer, you have to come because there's always something going on. There are street festivals. There are baseball. You know, we have two baseball teams. There are baseball games. There are concerts. There's everything, you know. And so I really was like, what would I rather be doing than sitting in my yard watching my daughter, you know, dump all of her Barbies in the, in the kiddie pool, you know, what or whatever it was she was doing. And so I, I yeah, I, I just thought about like hanging out with my friends in Chicago, going to every single street festival that we could and eating all the great, amazing food and finding new brunch restaurants and, and, and then also working, <laughs> you know, like being like not tired all the time and being able to like go out on Thursday and still go to work on Friday, you know, um, what a time. <laughs> and, and yeah, those were, these were all the things that I just, I wanted to infuse like that summer feeling in, in Tennessee. I love that. <laughs> so did you write this book before you sold your first one? I was like in the process of, I was like starting it when I got my agent and then when, and when she was selling it as well. Yeah. So I was kind of like in that weird limbo time where I was still like kind of writing for myself, you know what I mean? And just like doing what I wanted. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the goal from the start was always to have at least a two book deal. And, and, you know, and my, my agent at the time was Ashley Herring Blake, who was no longer agenting. And I have the amazing Rebecca Potos as my agent now too. And they both work really hard at what they do. And, and the Reese agency is amazing, but you know, they were really, um, encouraging about like continuing to keep writing, just keep going and, and figure things out before we had like that side deal. Nice. Yeah. And I also want to mention a couple things about the book. Um, <laughs> the costumes. Yeah. First of all, like <laughs> the parties, it is yeah. just like a feast for the visual senses like imagery you just bring it all to life and the Alice in Wonderland party yeah so fun right (laughs) and like everything um that you would hope to see like it's just all the details in your costumes and the outfits and like not just that but like how they make the characters feel and how they express themselves through their clothing and it was just really beautiful and you have this moment with Sam and Russell at the Alice in Wonderland party that like mm-hmm. has to directly do with the costumes. And it's just, yeah. it's really, did you have so much fun writing all those details? Yeah, I did. Um, I have to say, this is so, this is so random, but the idea for that came because my, the, the woman who was my matron of honor is like, she's a Disney adult. And she really wanted my bridal shower to be Alice in Wonderland themed. And I was like, um, you know, maybe it could just be like a tea party, you know, that'd be cool. Like a tea party. That'd be great, you know, but not like the Mad Hatter tea party. You know what I mean? So Um, you just made it fictional. Yeah. So I just took that. I mean, no, I love her. Heidi, you're amazing. You're my best friend. It's great. But, and she knows that this is how I feel. Cause I was just like, Oh, that's awesome. Party, you know? Um, so, and so but that, I mean, in a different time, 
Like if I had been maybe like four or five years younger when I got engaged, that very well could have happened. Uh, so uh, yes, but that I the idea of just like a theme party. I still love a theme party. You know, like I love a theme. So it was it was a lot it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had so much fun writing that. But I was also I was just talking to a different another and I, I think it was a, a written interview and they were ta- asking about like a scene like your favorite scene to write and like I love that scene but it was also really hard because there were so many moving parts and like every character that speaks in this book basically is in that scene <laughs> so it's like everyone <laughs> needed to kind of do something and and yeah so it was challenging but it was it was so much fun like I I really would love to have like an Alice in Wonderland like lingerie themed it was an engagement. It was like their engagement party. Like that's how extra <laughs> these people are, you know? So yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we love to see it. Yeah. Um, and I also want to talk about Mr. Russell Montgomery because yeah. the man deserves a minute. <laughs> he is amazing and beautiful and just like, oh, so squishy, sweet, cinnamon rolly inside. Um, and Russell is dealing with like family things going on mm-hmm. in his life and just I love how you brought together their relationship I feel like it's so realistic especially at the age the characters are in the novel mm-hmm. to have like your own things going on and maybe not have it be the right time to connect yeah. and then and to see them go through that journey where they finally do it's, yeah it was so rewarding and so amazing and so angsty um <laughs> do you want to like Tell us a little bit about their romance. Yeah, I mean, so Sam and Russ are both characters from book one. So Sam, you know, was working at the boudoir studio. And then Russ is the younger brother of the hero of book one. So Reed was in book one. And this is his younger brother who kind of comes back in his life because he's having some money trouble and he has to come back. And so in this book, it's, I think it's about a year. It's like, my thing in my copy edits where I like I like mapped everything out where so I do know this but I also have to speak about it now so I don't know but it's like r- roughly a year ish later and so he has stayed in one spot and you know in Chicago he has a stable job he's making some money and he wants to go to culinary school and he is can he he applies to like one of the best schools in the country but of course it's in New York. And, and he gets in and he's like, okay, like, I'm going to do this so I can prove that I can like do something with my kind of messed up life so far. And, and he, you know, so he's pretty committed to that. So that's one of the obstacles between them, although it's a romance. So I think you all can figure out what happens. Uh, I don't think I'm spoiling too much, but anyway, it's how they figure out what to do. But anyway, he... Yeah, he is. He's such a golden retriever. He is completely besotted with Sam. I think because she's so grumpy, like she is just like, she's no nonsense. She kind of just like doesn't have time for anyone's bullshit. And especially his, because like in book one, the minute he sees her, granted it's at a lingerie photo shoot and Sam is like modeling in it. But the minute he sees her, he's like, that's her like I want to know more about her that's who I'm gonna talk to and she's like what are you doing you know it's like immediately it's just like get out of my face and so that is kind of their dynamic and then they they keep kind like their friends are always kind of like oh maybe 
maybe you should go talk to Russ or you should go tell Sam about whatever. And, and they're always kind of pushing them together, but it's really not until this book, like a, a year after them kind of doing the song and dance where they're like, okay, like maybe you're all right. You know, at least that's Sam really. She's just like, okay, you're fine. Like you can hang out. And and he's like, thank you, finally, I've been waiting for this. So, oh, yeah. In the friend zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just oh, love so a golden retriever hero. Me They're too. just the best. I think that's why they need, they just need to be that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I always try, I'm like, I'm going to write such a mean, jerky alpha. <laughs> and then I sit down and they're just all just like, the gooeyest yeah <laughs> i'm like i just can't do it i can't do anything else exactly yep no no never change never change <laughs> i'm laughing because um when i wrote ben and adam's story adam was like supposed to be like that rocker like tough guy and he's like the <laughs> like not not that the he's the nicest like, person yeah <laughs> like the complete opposite um yeah and i just i love how that happens <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, uh, one thing that your characters and I think all three of us uh, are facing is the inevitable burnout, yeah. which whew, even just like seeing that on the like the little outline for today, I was like, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I feel that deep in my soul. Mm -hmm. Um so why did you like want to write about that? And then also, you know, kind of like what has been your experience with dealing with burnout? Yeah. Okay. So this is so funny because before I kind of saw, you know, like the back cover copy and then like what my publicists and marketing team were kind of putting together, I had never really thought of this like plot point as burnout I was just like I don't know she's like in her mid-20s and she's busy and then I was like oh no because you were burnt out and that's what you did for most of your 20s but we even even you know like 10 years ago we really didn't have that word in that context yet I think it was it was probably like getting there but so and and in retrospect, you know, a lot of times you, you realize so much when you are far away from something, but I was a publisher publicist. I, you know, and I, I've, I've talked about this. So, I mean, I'll say I was the very first dedicated romance publicist at Sourcebooks. I was the first Sourcebooks Casablanca publicist and started there as an intern. And they literally were like, we're starting a romance line, figure out romance. So, you know, it was like, it was like one of those things. And then it just, and then I just never left um, until I did. But uh, I, it was one of those things where it was like, you, you work so hard. I think so many people go through this. And I think women of color go through this quite a bit too, where they just say yes to everything and they figure out how to get it done because you, you know, you can be replaced pretty easily and pretty quickly and swiftly without a second thought. Um, and so, you know, I just, I remember there was one season at, at the publisher where I had like the majority of all of the fiction titles, you know, and not even just romance, but it was like other fiction as well. Like women, you know, women's fiction or contemporary fiction, and some historical fiction. And I, just, and I remember it was one of those times where I was like, oh no, this is, this is not going to work. Like I can't sustain this. 
And I was very lucky. I had an amazing boss when I worked there who I just, I remember finally like sitting down. I was like, I'm the first person in this office aside from like the assistant to the publisher. And I'm often the last person to leave like this. I can't continue doing this. And, and, you know, and we, and we worked it out, you know, and, and I think that, and that was an important conversation for me to have to understand boundaries. This was even before, you know, everyone now, everyone talks about boundaries, you know, to understand those boundaries, to understand my professional limits. Like I'm really comfortable telling people, no, I'm not taking that on. If you want me to continue to do the job I've been doing, you know, like, and it was like getting to that breaking point. So to get back to the book, Sam kind of goes through the same thing where she, she's the, she's kind of the, the, I don't know. Yeah. Like she, she's the office assistant gets promoted to office manager. So even though she's been given more responsibility, she still has to do, she still has to order, you know, the disposable cups for the break room, but she also needs to assist on photo shoots. And she also needs to plan this crazy like summer festival circuit that they're taking a photo booth bus out on, you know, that, they kind of, like her boss who trusts her intrinsically and like loves her because they are friends, but just dumps this all on her and says, you figure this out, <laughs> you know, and, and she does it, but she also has to have a conversation both with herself and with the people she works with about not being the only person doing kind of all the grunt work and the big stuff too. Yeah. I think those situations are especially hard when you, like and respect the people that you work for yes. because you don't there's like a, that personal pressure of like I don't want to let you down and I don't mm-hmm. want to disappoint you and like you're my friend and I care about you but also yeah. like I'm drowning and yeah. I need help those are tough spots to be in yeah and that's even that's something too that Russ goes through because like I was saying he gets into this really prestigious culinary school and one of the big reasons he wants to go so badly is because he wants to like prove that to his brother that like the help he's given him over the years, mostly financial, but then when they reconnect and they kind of become a family, he, he really wants to prove that he can make good on the good that has happened to him. So he really wants, he thinks like, Oh, if I go to culinary school and I succeed, then I'm also like proving to that, the, you know, to this important person in my life that, that I'm, I'm making good on the, on the help that they've given him. So. And such a good note on how, you know, productivity doesn't define our worth, even though mm-hmm. I think sometimes in many environments, we feel like we have to keep producing, producing. Yes, I'll yeah. take it on. Yes, I'll do this to pr- to be like, oh, I'm worthy. I'm worth being here. I'm worth your attention and your effort and your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a whole thing to unpack. But adding those notes in like unpacking that in your novel is, is really important. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we talk a lot on here. We've talked with a lot of debut authors who are like, there is just this pressure to say yes to everything and you don't want to turn down any opportunities. And I think a lot of that time that pressure is internal and, you know, it comes from the pressure we're putting on ourselves and the pressure that we feel from being surrounded by our peers and, you know, being so aware of what everyone else is doing. That makes it so hard to, to say no and to put those boundaries up. But I think Mm -hmm. it's something that 
I think the further along we all get and the more mm-hmm. books we release and like the more we do this, we're like, okay, now we kind of know how to have that balance a little bit, but it's really hard in the beginning yeah. to, first of all, to know your limits and then to right. enforce those limits is really hard. Yeah. 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 It's something I was on um, a podcast called Romance and Color at the end of June with um, author Tati Richardson, whose book, The Build Up is excellent. Everyone should read it. Uh, but we were, we were talking about, she was like, you know, you, you've been in publishing for so long and, and from so many different sides, like, what have you learned from now being an author? And I told her, I was like, I don't, I don't know that I learned very much about the publishing process, but I definitely like just appreciated it differently. Like, you know, you just from being on that other angle. But then I also said to her, I was like, I think that if I hadn't worked in publishing, I would have tried to write earlier than I did because I knew so much about the process of how, not really how books get bought because I was in an editorial, I was in, in publicity and marketing, but I you know, those conversations about like, what book is the big book, you know, for this month, or even like this, this entire year or whatever, you know, the book that's going to continue to get the, you know, the put the marketing push or whatever, like I've been in on those conversations. And it, you know, a lot of it is just like, this one, you know, and, and that can be hard that that was always in the back of my mind when I was writing. So it took me a long time. I think it took me a long time to really get comfortable with like writing and putting it out there and like, and release it, you know, like releasing it from me. And now like, it's not mine anymore. I did the thing, you know, I, I did that. That's why like, even, you know, do you have those like really nice friends or family members who like want to tell you what they would have done differently if they had written your book and you're just like, and I stopped them immediately. I was like, you know what? I did the thing. I wrote the book. It's out. It's finished. I'm, even if it gets a second printing, I'm not going to go make changes. So I don't need to hear this. I was like, you know, it's always like, I love you, but stop talking, you know? And, and some people just don't understand that, which I find fascinating. Um, You know, like, let me tell you about your job. I don't do. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's really what it comes down to. So. Writing is such an interesting thing because I think people on the surface are like, well, I know how to write, so Mm -hmm. I can write a book. And I'm like, (laughs) it's not not the same, but (laughs) (laughs) writing a grocery list, not the same (laughs) as writing a book. Or like my mom, my mom has, you know, she's an avid reader. She's also literally, I'm not like being a very nice daughter, but I am also because hopefully she'll listen. Um, but she's like the smartest person I know, like he has multiple master's degrees, has a PhD. She's amazing. She's like, who I want to be as I continue to grow up. And she, she's always like, I have this idea. I have this fully realized storyline and I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to give it to you and you're going to write it. And I'm like, you are retired. Like you should just write the book. <laughs> and she's, and, but she made this book. So she worked in nurse. She was a nurse for a really long time. And then she became like the director of quality and blah, 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 like very long titles, this whole thing. And she's like, I, she's like, I have a medical background. I don't, she like, she was like, nice. She was like, no, I don't know how to write that. I don't know how to describe things. 
all I've done my, even in like her published articles, you know, have always just been like straight and direct and to the point. She's like, you can write. And I was like, cool. I'm still not, still not doing it. You now have a new hobby. <laughs> Figure it out, mom. <laughs> I believe in you, mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing though. That would be awesome yeah. if she, you know, actually wrote the book. No, you know, see, the problem, though, is that my mom, like I said, is so amazing. Like, she would write a book, and it would be, like, a, a runaway bestseller, and I would be like, <laughs> here's my romance novel, and look at you, you amazing person. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it would be, so. <laughs> I'll never forget reading, um, and this is not, like, a plug for the books or anything, but Diana Gabaldon, is that how you say her name, her last name? Gabaldon, um, yeah. Okay, thank you. I would have never gotten that right. <laughs> uh, but she, I remember reading somewhere how she was like, yeah, I just decided um, I was going to try writing a novel. And so um, I did it. And I was like, damn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that was her first novel she'd ever written was Outland. Oh my God. That book. Like, oh, wow. Now you're like, you know. You're doing okay. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> She's fine. She's great. <laughs> That's so hilarious. I think Stephanie Meyer was the same and like E.L. James. They're like, yeah. I just decided I'm going to write a novel. <laughs> like, cool. I've been working on writing for like a decade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and those are the you. ones that everybody's like, well, I'll just, I'll just do that. And then I'll be yep. the next, you know, Stephanie Meyer. And we're like, no. Yeah. That's yeah. not how that's going to work out for you. But. <laughs> Godspeed. I love right, where, exactly. I love where this took us. <laughs> I know. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about something fun. And I was going to say uplifting, but I don't think the bear is uplifting. Is it? <laughs> A little. Sometimes. Sometimes it is. <laughs> okay. So you are not the first person who has preached the amazingness of this yeah. show to us and yet Courtney and I are still not convinced <laughs> oh my gosh no you have to watch it you have to I First think of all, I don't understand short. the premise yet okay sorry yeah no I was, I was just gonna say it's it's a short it's they're short episodes they're all like I think the longest episode is like 40 minutes long like honestly there's there's one episode in season one, I think it's episode seven, that is basically a one-shot take, and it's like 20 minutes, and it's amazing. It's outrageously good. But yeah, I mean, so the premise of The Bear, it's about this, like, James Beard award-winning, like, best new chef. I don't know if that's, that's not the exact title, but he's, like, the up-and-coming, like, hot new chef. But his brother passes away and eventually, this isn't a spoiler, but eventually you find out that he takes his own life. Um, and so he comes home to run the family, like, you know, Italian beef restaurant, basically, you know, just like little kind of hole in the wall. It's actually, actually the bear is set in River North, which is the neighborhood that my books take place in, um, which I think is fascinating and you know there there's definitely some like carmy from the bear rust from accidentally in love like parallels but obviously like not done like i said i was writing this book in 2020 this was well before the bear came out but yeah so i'm obsessed with, but like yeah like i said i'm obsessed 
But basically, and it's about him running this restaurant, this like ragtag group of people who are all there. They're all like at each other's throats. It's very Chicago. Like they sound like the people I like my dad's friends, you know, like they just it's it's perfect. It's pit perfect. But it's 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 a little slice of life, but it's also it does have like these big overarching themes about what it means to be successful. How are you still loyal to your family? How do you uplift someone's legacy? How do you deal with finding things out about these people who you want, you know, who you kind of revere and do they deserve that kind of treatment um, even after they're gone? Um yeah, it's really, it's just, it's a really good show. I don't know how else to talk about it. I know, and that's all anyone says. I was like, it's so good. You just have to watch it. You do. You really just have to like sit down and watch it. It's also like, I feel like it doesn't sound, this is going to sound weird, but it doesn't sound like TV dialogue when they're talking. They sound like regular people talking to each other, which I think is really hard to do on a TV show. Like there's always like kind of an affect, you know, even when it is like, you know, whatever, even like something like, I think of like Parks and Rec where it's like, clearly they're having fun. They are kind of like normal people, but you know, it's different. This show, like you feel, it's not quite like watching a documentary or something, but it just, it feels really lived in. It feels really real. So yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. sold actually. I know. (laughs) I had said before, I've been putting it off because I used to work in a restaurant and I'm like, oh, yeah. like this is going to be like triggering. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people say. People are really like, uh, yeah, it is a little triggering because it does not shy away from like kind of, yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit goes down in right. restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say to, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the second season is, I don't know if it's better than the first season, but it's just as good as the first season. Like it's excellent. So what streaming service is it on? It's on Hulu. It's like FX on Hulu or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You might have swayed me. Okay, so the problem is, though, now if you say you're going to watch it, I am that, like, person that'll be like, have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? Are you obsessed yet? Like, I will, I'm going to be in your DM cell and being like, have you watched The Bear yet? Like, I'm going to want to know. I feel like I'm going to fall in love with this chef character who comes back to his hometown. Oh, yeah, you will, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I can already tell. Like, it already sounds like a rom-com. But it doesn't like maybe not. not. Yeah, it really isn't. Yeah, because even he does. I will say he does get a love interest in the second season, but things do not go as as expected. I think so. I know. (laughs) Okay, I have to watch it. You must on the list. (laughs) All right. Well, um, you are not a chef. Right. <laughs> you do enjoy baking, which is something I think both Courtney and I nice. really get into. When I have enjoy to, consuming baked goods. <laughs> so uh, this is this is perfect. Yeah. Um, so like what are your some of your favorite things to bake? Yeah, so I love bake I love like easy things to bake like I can sit down and like follow a recipe and make something fancy but I really love kind of like those like just like kind of classic 
like gather around and everybody just eat this thing together. So my favorite thing to make is it's a family recipe of sour cream pound cake that my my grandma has always made my grandma always made and um what's funny speaking you know we were talking about my mom earlier is she is a cook she does not bake so i learned to bake from like my aunts and my grandma and my cousins who and we all still we all still bake together when we can but yeah i love like sour cream pound cake that's one of those things okay like do you get this way on top chef like if you ever watch top chef and you know that at some point you're going to have to make a dessert. Like just figure something, like memorize a dessert, like, and just make it. Even if it doesn't fit the challenge, just know you can make it. This, so like if I were ever on something, like this would be the thing I could bake. Like I have it memorized. I know what needs to happen. Um, but I also, I love like brownies. I love, I have an eight-year-old daughter. Um, almost, in fact, when this goes up, she may be nine maybe we'll see uh and yeah and so but anyway she she loves she's with any kind of cookie so it's like chocolate chip cookies or or whatever just i love like those kind of those like easy to make but still absolutely delicious like desserts and that's that's kind of what my focus is always on. i love that i love what that do you like what do you all like to bake or consume <laughs> I mean, everything. I have not had nearly enough time to bake lately. And I haven't, I mean, part of that is on me. I have not made it a priority, obviously. But, um, that like, I not since the gray sweatpants cookies. <laughs> yes. Those are so funny. Cookies scarred me for life. Like, I don't think I can ever bake cookies ever again. They were very hard to make. <laughs> it took so long. Like, and I, so like, when I originally was like, okay, I want to have these cookies for my lunch party, I like researched some places and I was like, oh my God, these people charge like $10 yeah. a cookie. Like I can't afford to pay like $500 for cookies. And by the end of it, I was like, I spent so many hours on these. Like my time was definitely worth oh, yeah. more than what I would have paid. So if I ever do them again, I will be purchasing them from somewhere. Um, but my, like, what I love to do is just, like, take, like, a brownie mix, like, a pre-made one, and mm -hmm. then just, like, throw, like, Oreos in it, or, like, yeah. put cheese frosting on top of it. So it's, like, lazy, but also still a little bit creative. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, not lazy, genius, because it's all of the ingredients right there waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I... There are very few, I, you know, am a wedding planner in my real life. Mm -hmm. There are very few cakes I have eaten that taste better than like boxed cake. Seriously. Mix. I 100%. Yes, totally. <laughs> it's hard to do. So just, you know, make a funfetti cake and call it a day. Oh, I love, I love funfetti. I love funfetti so much. <laughs> That's my husband's favorite cake too. It's funny. I, like that. <laughs> I actually, okay. So when my daughter was born, she's like almost 12 now. So this was a long time ago. Wow. Very long time ago. It went really fast. Um, I was very much like I made everything from scratch, the baby food, mm -hmm. the meals, the like every single, um, baked item. I was a big baker and like cook mm -hmm. at that time. And I don't know what happened. I think I just was like, no, no more. <laughs> so 
but I did used to love baking and probably my favorite thing I made one time was these like pumpkin toffee cream cheese frosting cupcakes and like I I was very like you know scientific about the baking I had to follow it precisely I would actually mm-hmm. watch the food network and everything all the time I was kind of obsessed <laughs> but um those were very good and then one time I made this um okay so it's called like a sh- shit what is it called a pumpkin fluff <laughs> maybe I think oh. I baked a lot in the fall um but it was like <laughs> cool whip vanilla pudding mix and pumpkin puree and pumpkin pie spice. I think mm-hmm. that's it. And you mix it all together. Very easy. And then you serve it as a dip. So this isn't really baking, but you serve it as a dip with like graham crackers and yeah. green apples. But yeah. so after I made that, there was a lot left over and I melted chocolate and put it, mixed it in. And then I froze it. I made like a quick graham cracker crust and I froze it and it became this like frozen pie it was so good that sounds so good amazing yeah (laughs) but I think that was the end of my my career with that (laughs) I'm done but now you've talked about it and I'm like well I want those so I would like that so I appreciate the longevity of people who like have continued to bake and memorize recipes, especially family recipes over the years. Yeah. It's special. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Cause my, I mean, my grandma passed away when I was really young, like I was under 10. And so this is always, and like, so with my cousins and my other aunts and everything like this is like what we do to like stay connected to her. So yeah, means a lot. Yeah. <laughs> What do you serve the pound cake with? Do you serve it with anything? So I don't think it needs it. It's very like rich, even though it's a pound cake. So it's like, you know, like a vanilla-ish cake, you know, it really doesn't need much, but I'll definitely like, sometimes I'll put like orange zest in it or make like a, like a lemon, like just a powdered sugar lemon glaze or, um, yeah, and re- or do like macerated berries and whipped cream, like kind of do like that kind of classic summer summer dish. Um, and then there's also a version of it you can make it a chocolate sour cream pound cake, which is amazing. It's so good. Um, and that I'll usually put like a chocolate ganache on, it and it's just it's so. so oh my god, I love what? how you're like, oh, nothing fancy, and you're like, well, <laughs> that's so fancy to me. <laughs> Um, that sounds delicious. All of it. I want all all of it, please. I know. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) I know. I was like, man, this conversation (laughs) is happening. I know, right? Do I have time to go get brownie mix? (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. So amazing. All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on next? Is it top secret still or can we know? No, so it's not nothing really. No, I'm working on it. I just I don't have anything like finalized. You know, my I'm I'm you know kind of in that. So you know, I really appreciated the conversation you had with Ava Wilder um, a couple of few episodes ago. By the time this goes up, it'll be many episodes ago. But um, 
about just kind of, you know, like you kind of get to that point where you're like, okay, if I've done the stuff in my contract, you know, what do I do? And like, obviously we want more, but I also don't know what that is yet. So um, I'm actually, I'm working on a book that's not quite a romance. It's romantic, but it's probably more like contemporary fiction or if we must call it women's fiction, fine. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to call it. Um, general fiction. How about just fiction? Uh, and yeah, so I'm working on that. My, my agent has it and is looking through it. So we're going to kind of finesse it, get it in tip top shape and then, um, take it out and see what happens. So hopefully, you know, before too long, something will be, you know, on my social media about an exciting announcement. We'll see, you know, but it is, it's, it's been kind of interesting because when I was writing this book, Cause it's, it's basically done. At least I think so. You know, my agent will be like, let's change all of these things. <laughs> I'm going to be like, maybe, but anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I will take it into consideration. I'll put it that way. Uh, no, I, I was really just like, it felt like I was writing for myself again, you know, like where you just, you just kind of writing, which is like the best feeling. I was like, how do I keep this feeling forever? You know, which it will never come back because such as publishing but you know yeah I had I had a lot of fun working on it so yeah even though I'm talking about this book that hypothetically will not come out for a long time I'm very excited about it yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good place to be in yeah and I actually have to say too so when I wrote in the event I had mm-hmm. only written YA fantasy up until that point and sorry people I know I've said this a lot on the podcast but <laughs> switching genres was like so freeing and fun and like there's new like tool sets to discover and going into your next phase of a project has have you Mm -hmm. found kind of a similar feeling yeah definitely like even though I think so many there are definitely a lot of parallels I think especially between contemporary romance and contemporary fiction. Let's let's yeah. call it contemporary fiction for the sake of this conversation. And um, you know, and I think there are there are lots of conversations, especially when it comes to covers, about like it's blending the lines and what is what. And just because you put an illustrated cover on something, does that mean it's a romance now? And you know, or is it not? And you know, what do you do when it isn't? Or what do you do when it is? The whole thing. But I was really surprised at kind of how freeing it was because. I was able to kind of move outside of there's like I said, there's still a romantic storyline and there's definitely a happy, there is a happy ever after in my book, but it is, there's so much else going on. And it was kind of fun to like put some focus on that as well, because I think, you know, I I think even just in the conversation we've had, like both of my main characters in Accidentally in Love have a lot going on, but it still really is about them coming together and figuring out like their lives, but then also including that other person, which I think is something a lot of people go through, you know, kind of in their mid twenties or even after, you know, I shouldn't limit it to just to that, but, but then pivoting kind of to contemporary fiction has just, it's been, it's been really like eye opening. And I feel like I'm working like a different writing muscle, which is exciting for me, just like from a craft perspective and, and really just like kind of putting together a story. It, it is different, but also similar, but it is it's definitely different. But then again, like every book you write is kind of different. So 
maybe that's what I'm like glomming onto, you know? <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you think, um, like, do you plan to have more in store for that? I'm going to call it the accidental universe or are you kind of letting it lie for now? If yeah. you're able to share. I don't know. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to, like, there is like a story that is mostly drafted, but you know, we just have to see like where it would end up landing or if I would self publish at some point or, you know, just like kind of what we would do with that. So, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, can you let our listeners know where they can find you online so that we can be the first to know when the deal goes through? (laughs) Yes, of course. So my website is daniellejacksonbooks.com. Um, I have an author newsletter that I send out about once a month. Um, right now, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm gearing up for like release stuff. So it may be a little bit more often than that, but for the most part, it's once a month. Um, and then I'm mostly on Instagram at D Jackson books. And I'm also on Twitter. Not very much. I'm trying out threads, which I still don't. I'm like, what, what is this? But it's, it's fine. Um, I'm there. And then I, I am, I personally am not on TikTok, but I have an account there. So people can tag me and all of them are all at D Jackson books. Thing. Uh, yeah. I also too, am trying out threads. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting till after pub month. Cause I can't like do one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah. What's That's happening? Smart. Okay. I'll wait yeah. till August. <laughs> All right. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an amazing conversation and uh, we have loved having you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Amazing. And now let's all go buy some cake. Yeah. (laughs) Happy snacking. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K K A E on all social media platforms. And you can find me Fallon Ballard at Fallon Ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.